throughout my life. The Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. You're just a criminal who murders people. Be careful how you speak to me, boy. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. You can't run from your past. Is this what you wanted? Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Duran and Derek Wong. So tonight we are talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm not going to lie, my rep sweats were really coming out with this movie. (laughs) I don't know if you guys know that term. Enlighten us. Yeah, so it was coined by this comedian, Jenny Yang. And it's basically when us people of color, us minorities, see ourselves on the screen and get anxiety of whether we are going to be represented well or whether it's going to disappoint everyone. (laughs) And this movie had like several different aspects of that going on at the same time. Like, is this movie going to be bad? Uh, I was worried about that because I was not really impressed with the trailers. And also, like the financial aspect of this, I was really afraid that this was going to bomb too, right? And I think that has a detrimental effect where, you know, studios won't put out more movies starring Asians or people of color just because those movies don't do well, which would really suck because it's really the pandemic. And and I think the Suicide Squad really kind of did a number on me where I was like, oh, is, is the Delta variant really going to mess with Shang-Chi too? And then the decision not to put it on Disney Plus. But I'm glad that everything worked out well because this movie fucking killed it at the box office. It did really, really well. Just shy of Black Widow, right? Because uh, Shang-Chi did 70, Black Widow did 90 or 80, something like that. It's missing the Disney Plus component, but I think that'll make up for in the legs at the box office, right? I think more people are going to go now that the option to see it on Disney Plus isn't there. Oh, wow. 94 million. I think that's the four-day total. That's the four-day, so you can't Yeah, really for the compare. weekend. For the weekend, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always weird when they do it holiday weekends and... Yeah. And they always add that. Yeah, like, right. Day. So taking it off to what, 75? 
I believe the three day yeah came somewhere around the seventy five so, yeah. Um, if some, you want to something compare. seventy million range, yeah. All right, so we'll see what happens next weekend. I don't think it's going to have as big of a drop off in the second weekend as Black Widow. I think people are still going to go out and probably try to check this out in theaters because I think good word of mouth is going to lead to hopefully more success for this movie. And I really like this movie too. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the trailers were a little underwhelming. I thought the CG aspects in the trailer didn't look that great. And granted, I think this movie does have third act problems where, you know, Marvel likes to go big with the CGI mayhem and stuff. And and this this movie's not immune to that. But I think for the most part, going into that third act, this didn't really feel like a Marvel movie to me, which is, I think, a benefit. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, I agree. I, I liked it. I liked most of the bits that were kind of least Marvel-y. Maybe, as bad as that sounds. So you saw it a, a couple weeks before we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had similar anxiety compared to you. Maybe not rep sweats. Uh, <laughs> but similar anxiety about this not being good and wanting it to be good. Because I always said I wanted this Asian-led Marvel movie to do well. I just like martial arts films in general. I wanted to go see a Marvel movie and like it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I got all those things. It was good. I think it was fun. I think it's one of the better Marvel movies. For sure. I don't think it's so good that I would say, hey, even if you don't go see Marvel movies, go watch this. But I do think it's good enough that if you watch Marvel movies, this is definitely one you're going to enjoy. I feel like that's your litmus test, Amir, for Marvel (laughs) movies. Like, If they really knock it out of the park, you're going to be like, if you don't like Marvel movies, then maybe you'll like this too. But I don't think we've ever had one where it's I don't know if that'll like like that happen. Yet. I'm not sure if that can happen. It's a bit of an unfair bar to clear, right? Yeah. The only thing I'll say, I'll say I think Black Panther was such a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. that I could recommend it to black people who don't see Marvel movies and they would go see it and enjoy it. Okay, fair. That's like a subset where that recommendation would make sense. Do you guys feel the same about this movie? I, I don't. I actually think that- You don't? Really? In the sense that I don't agree with Amir that I couldn't recommend this to someone that doesn't normally watch Marvel movies. What was wise about this introduction of this new hero is that they did their best to separate him from all the Avengers stuff, all the stuff that kind of came before. Like, it really only comes at the end, right? In the mid-credits, like, stinger that they try to tie him back to the MCU, but... I felt that this was pretty standalone in the sense that, like, you can really enjoy the action choreography. Essentially, really, all it is is just this family drama, right? On a pretty large scale with dragons and, like, mythical creatures. But I don't know. I I could definitely recommend this to someone who just wants a good time in a theater and doesn't need to be bogged down with um, as much of that MCU stuff as I think other movies. Like, you know, you can't recommend Black Widow because there's so much history behind a movie like Black Widow versus... There really isn't that much history here, right? Yeah, and I think, like, the MCU continuity, like, even the stuff that is in it is very, very tangential. Like, Mm -hmm. Wong and Abomination, people are like, oh, they're going to be in this movie? What you see in the trailer is literally what's in the movie. What you see, right? There's nothing else. That's that's the extent, I mean, other than the mid-credits scene, right? Yeah. Okay, I actually think you make a good point. I actually agree with you there. You could recommend it to someone who doesn't normally watch Marvel movies, but I don't think you have to, if that makes sense. So, like, mm. okay, so here's the, here's, here's the bar. Would you tell your mom she should go see this movie? I mean, you're asking the wrong person because my mom loves Tony Leung. 
<laughs> no, 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 that's fair. No, no, no. I think that's I think that's totally fair. That's part of the appeal of this movie. He's a huge part of the draw of this movie, right? So I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So what about you, Jeff? My parents don't really like this type of stuff, so I understand uh-huh, what you're saying. Exactly. Because you're saying, exactly. Uh, you're saying stylistically, and then Derek is saying like continuity-wise, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I. And and I agree completely with Derek that this isn't super continuity heavy. If you just want to have a fun time and see an action movie, you don't need to be super into the Marvel bullshit to like go enjoy this one. It's just like a fun thing you can go see. I totally agree with you on that, Derek. But I just think it's not a movie where someone who's not into this sort of movie, I would say go see it. Whereas I do think Black Panther cleared Mm -hmm. that bar. Like Mm -hmm. my mom went and saw Black Panther and enjoyed it and she doesn't watch any of these kind of movies, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about. Would you recommend this movie to you? Like you said yes, Derek, and you said no, Jeff. Okay, I kind of changed my mind because I do <laughs> think that my parents would enjoy this because one of the great things about this movie is that like probably like 25% or maybe even like a third of it is in Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. Right? That, that whole first act pretty much with the prologue and everything is in is in Mandarin with Tony Leung, right? And I think they would really get a kick out of that. I timed it. It's the first 10 minutes of this ten movie. 10 minutes. Like, okay. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's that's pretty big. When you start a Marvel movie, American-made movie, and the first mm-hmm. 10 minutes are in a foreign language, and you're forcing people to have to read, like, subtitles, right? But then, like, it's also sprinkled throughout, too, Throughout right? the movie, yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't stop, yeah, 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 yeah. which I loved. I absolutely loved about this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I haven't given my overall impressions like if you can't tell like i i also did really love this movie you know i i know jeff you mentioned like the third act with the big cg and everything and i understand that i get that but what i did enjoy was that there was at least some kind of balance i think that like the first half of this movie is so heavy on practical action like i'm talking about like the bus sequence i'm talking about the scaffolding sequence even like the car chases and everything didn't rely as heavily on cg versus yes i understand like the last part is very cg heavy but I mean, spoilers. I didn't mind it because it was fucking dragons fighting. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I actually found it really cool at the end. Okay, I minded a little bit just because I okay. thought it looked really bad. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to the Black Panther third act, like the rhinos and stuff, and like and the underground like training and the underground. Super- yeah, the vibranium mine that looks so bad. The only part of that I hate is the underground shit. The underground shit is real bad. It's worse than any of the stuff at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree with um, that, actually. For sure. Um, I think the, like, I don't know, goofy war shit is about the same on both sides. And I don't really hate either. I will say, like, the emotional beats are what save this last act for me. I think both Shang-Chi and Wenwu get, like, a nice closing of their arcs here. And I did find it a little refreshing that it wasn't Wenwu's goal to, like, destroy the world or something. And it it, it was still yes. centered on his grief over his wife, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they never cool. kind of diverged it into, like, um, him wanting to take over the world or, like, blow everything up. That's just collateral. And I thought that was refreshing. Yeah. We all know who the Mandarin is, right? Like, essentially in the comics. And we know that he's a villain. He's evil. But mm-hmm. I totally agree. This is so refreshing to find out that, like, his motivation isn't one of world domination. It's it's one of love, right? Like, he just... Yeah. It's it's a little silly. He's being tricked by this demon god thing or whatever from a different dimension. It's a little hokey, but I... It's a little hokey, but, like... I'll, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah. 
but it still doesn't uh, undermine his actual motivations. You know, he thinks his wife is is alive and he's trying to free her, which it, it's it's quite refreshing for a Marvel villain compared to some of the ones we've gotten in the past. Yeah, and, and I loved how much they actually separated the Mandarin from his comic book counterpart, like how many mm-hmm. degrees of separation it was. Because, first of all, Shang-Chi's dad in the comics isn't the Mandarin, it's Fu Manchu, who's like this yes. even more bombastic yellow peril stereotype than the Mandarin, right? And then they changed it to the Mandarin in this, and then even then, they change up so many aspects of him, where the rings aren't these ornamental rings, they're like these gauntlet bracelet type things, and he bristles at the fact that he's been called the Mandarin, he's like, oh, fucking name me after a chicken dish. You know, yeah. I, I thought that was all really good. I think they really, really thought about the cultural aspects of this. And I think Tony Leung just dominates this movie. I think yes, almost everyone kind of suffers when they're in the same scene as him. Because he's just so fucking good. I think Simu Liu holds his own, pretty much. But I mean, you can't hold a candle up to Tony Leung. He's just so good. and And he gets this interiority. He gets to be romantic he gets to be a little sexy with the meeting of his wife that was such a fucking beautiful scene i love that yes right but he also gets to be so scary he's terrifying in this movie too i I think top three villain in the mcu what do you guys think i think i would agree with that yeah i mean their villains are also generally pretty weak you're not working with the largest pool here that's true the best villains but you know, he's jumped up there for me. I don't know, you guys. I loved Ironmonger, so I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember going into this movie and, like, that first 10 minutes, you know, the fight sequence and the and uh, that kind of wuxia really inspired sequence with the, the Fala Chen character. That was, like, you said it, Jeff. It was, like, sexy. It was sensual. It was, like, what am I feeling during a Marvel movie? Like, it it was very strange. Yeah, those are muscles that the MCU never flexes, right? And people always blame like comic book movies for being puritanical and sexless, and and I mean this isn't like fucking nine and a half weeks or anything, but like yeah, there's there's a little sensuality to it that I I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To stick with Tony Long dominating this movie and being very sexy and good looking, have you guys? <laughs> heard the other like looks discourse around this movie like Simu Liu and Aquafina are not good looking enough to be in this movie <laughs> have you guys heard this shit no come on I think I have I think that's from like the Chinese audience right yes so really? I mean I'm only hearing this second or third hand or whatever I'm not on like Chinese Twitter or the equivalent right apparently the discussion and Simu Liu he's talked about this is that audiences have said that like he's not good looking enough to be a star western audiences want to make like chinese people look bad but like putting not good looking people as their leads like him and aquafina have you guys heard about this like i have i just think the eastern standard of good looking handsome beautiful is completely different from like the western standard so like i think simulu's a good looking dude he's yeah. he's fine aquafina's fine but i think the Eastern standard of beauty is is just so different. I don't want to say if, like the guys need to be a little more dolled up or like I don't know conventionally handsome, like pretty boys. You know, I think that's what the Chinese populace like to see. I don't know. I honestly can't say to it that much, but I think that's what that is. But I think they're fine. They're good looking. 
not as good looking as Tony Leung, but like, well, what can you do about that, right? Apparently, what happened is they went out into the streets of Beijing and they like asked people what they thought of his looks and apparently he got like trashed. Simu <laughs> Lu? Yeah. Wow. He's a good looking dude. I like him. I'm like a Western person, right? So like, I feel like I can't comment on that. I was wondering like, you know, from your perspective, if you get this. I don't know. Because I read well, a couple for, things for about For you, that. Amir, for, for a non-Asian, do you think he's good looking? He's a good looking dude, right? I, I think so. I think he's fine. Like, I can see, <laughs> right. see the difference between him and Tony Long, right? Like I am not, you know, yeah. blind either. But like, he looks like an actor. He's good looking the way actors are. Like, he fits in in Hollywood, I think. I don't think you look at him and you're like, oh, whoa. Put it this way. He's not interesting looking, right? He's not a character actor, right? He's yeah, a lead yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. He's got lead actor looks. He doesn't have character actor looks. He doesn't have, like, super gorgeous teen heartthrob looks, but, like, kind of. Like, he's a good looking guy. Yeah. But it's just interesting to me that there's, like, that the standards in the two hemispheres or whatever I don't want to call it are, are so different. But I also think people in China are not giving it the benefit of the doubt when it comes to uh, the portrayal of, like, the Mandarin, right? I think they still think that it's a racist character and that they're just jumping to conclusions without having seen the movie. Like, oh, they're still yeah. doing the yellow peril stereotype, which which they're not at all. That's a shame because I agree with you, Jeff. I think they did a really good job of, like, working around that. And yeah, sidestepping that. thoughtful in the way they did so. Yeah. I read something about the director even saying he, like, made it a point to cast, like, almost all Asians in this movie. Mm-hmm. think Destin Daniel Crichton, I think he's a Japanese-American or half-Japanese-American. He's from Hawaii. I guess he said he's he, from grew Hawaii, up yeah. around, uh, he grew up around all Asian people and maybe Barack Obama. Oh, no, I'm kidding. But he grew up <laughs> around all Asian people and, like, he wanted this movie to, like, reflect that. And so, like, it has a very, like, predominantly Asian cast. It's a shame that people are, like, dismissing it out of hand because I think there was a lot of thought put into it. It's interesting. I listened to an interview with uh, Dave Callahan, the other um, one of the other writers. He's also of an Asian American descent, and it's really interesting how he described his relationship with Destin Daniel Creighton and like their writing partnership. Because Dave Callahan grew up in like mainland U.S. versus Destin Daniel Creighton, you know, grew up in Hawaii, where he describes it like Hawaii. They're very much more accepting of like Asian culture, and you see less racism there. Versus here in, on the mainland, it's wherever you are. We see it today. There's still definitely shades of racism towards like you know the Asian culture. So I, I found that kind of um, discussion with him very interesting. Dave Callahan's also half Asian, right? Yes, he's also half Asian, Asian American descent. Also, Dave Callahan kind of redeemed himself because I was very, very <laughs> yeah. worried because he wrote Wonder Woman 1984 and Mortal Kombat. So I was like, uh oh, but yeah. Yeah. this turned out okay. This turned out okay. One for three. Fantastic in baseball, right? It's so crazy. Like in that interview, he talks about how he has been known now to be like this guy who writes blockbuster movies, big movies like 1984 and Mortal Kombat and now this. And then like he had to find that balance with Destin because Destin, most of the his stuff that he's he's written and directed have all really just been indies, right? Smaller movies mm-hmm. without, without this large scale. So it's kind of interesting that have that balance between between those two. And also, I mean, Andrew Lanham helping to write this this movie. Mm-hmm. Before we jump too far off from something you said, the kind of the honesty that the, the Chinese uh, audience have about uh, Simu's looks, I, I think that is something very indicative of like Chinese culture. Is like, it's not mean, it's just honest. 
and I've run into this like when I travel to like Hong Kong or China, like with my parents, right? Like there is this air of honesty that I have to recognize and like know that it's not trying to be mean. And like sometimes I get offended, but I've learned that it's just them telling you what they see. And it's not spiteful. It's not in any way like that. And it actually really reminds me of that scene in this movie where uh, Wen Wu at a point becomes brutally honest with Shang-Chi, right? Saying like, you were there. You just stood there as she died. I don't know how that came off to you guys, but I know it almost can come off as mean. But I, I don't know. I, I read that more as just like that Chinese culture side where he was just being honest in that moment. Okay, so hard to disagree. I feel like, at least for me, I read that as a very immature emotional reaction mm-hmm. from, like, someone who's obviously hurting, right? Yeah. When we were Tony Long's character, he's hurting from the death of his wife at the hands of these gangsters. He's put away his ten rings and his gangster lifestyle in order to um, have a life with his wife and raise these kids. And Then she's attacked by some people from his past, and she dies. And um, I don't know, he's blaming his son, who was, like, seven at the time. And it's like, all right, that's clearly not a mature reaction. And since the whole movie is about like his inability to process this death, I, I, I thought it was in line with that. I didn't think it was like honesty. But I do want to segue that into something that's kind of similar, maybe. The other narrative about this movie is like those sort of daddy issues, Asian sort of like tiger dad sort For of sure. way. So like, what did you guys think of that? Like, did this movie do a good job of portraying relatable issues? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not one-to-one, right? Not everyone's dad or Asian-American's dad is fucking the Mandarin, right? (laughs) You heard it it here first, the Strange Harbors podcast official take, all Asian dads are the Mandarin. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something there, right? Because, you know, like, a lot of immigrant families and children of immigrants, they come here and, you know, their parents work really, really hard. Uh, you always hear like, oh, I came here with $2 in my pocket to, to raise you guys. And like, I just want the best for you. I want you to like, be a doctor or a lawyer. And when Simu Liu was cast, he came on the stage and he was like, I really just want to make my parents proud. Uh, and all I want to say is that I'm really, really glad I'm not a doctor right now. And, and people make jokes, <laughs> right? It's funny, because there's some truth to that statement, right? But a lot of Asian parents are demanding in that way. And and there's that push and pull between the younger generation trying to forge our own path and also honor our parents in some way. And and I think this movie really struck the heart of that dichotomy, right? I, I really, really like that. So Simu Liu actually even made a reference to this phenomenon himself, right? Yeah. With the Rotten Tomatoes score of the movie. Yes. Because <laughs> it came out at like 86% and he was like, oh... Uh, my parents just called. It's like, what happened to the other 14% or whatever? And <laughs> so I thought I thought that was really funny. I mean, the, the joke is everywhere, right? And yeah. and to have that dichotomy within like Tony Leung's performance and, and Simu Liu, I think they both have that interiority to them, which is, I think, what makes both those characters great. I think Tony Leung a little bit more than uh, Simu Liu. But yeah, and... And to go back to what you guys were talking about, the family stuff, how great was it to have actually uh, Wen Wu be happy with his family, right? He put away mm-hmm. the Ten Rings, and yeah. he was a good dad, right, with his wife. And I thought that was a nice, bold step for the story to take. Even my dad never played DDR with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's true, I forgot they played DDR together. 
Yeah, but no, I I totally agree that seeing that contrast between like him being the doting father and being like what can be categorized as like a good father and then having that switch, right, that turn Mm -hmm. of him being that kind of tiger dad, right? And it's really interesting to see like him in this movie being that tiger dad and then also seeing like Michelle Yeoh who, you know, when if you remember like Crazy Rich Agents, she was kind of like that tiger mom and like so this this idea of like tiger parents, I think it's becoming more and more familiar with like an American audience. Mm-hmm. But you're right, like not every parent is like that. Like I'm very lucky to say that my parents weren't like that. They were very supportive whatever I wanted to do. Like I didn't have right. to be a doctor. I didn't have to be a lawyer, right? All they wanted for me was the best. Yeah. Well, now you're not a doctor or a lawyer, so they fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually more proud of Amir than me. (laughs) I did want to talk a little bit about, I mean, we're talking about like culture and like family and it's in the background a little bit, but like the idea that, you know, like Chinese culture, a lot of times like the son is more important than the daughter. And mm-hmm. like having Meng Er's character of um, Shaoling being the one like that wants to be part of the fight, right? Wants to be part of the club, but not allowed, right? The one that starts her own fighting club because her dad didn't invite her into the Ten Rings, right? I like that recognition and like that that there's that kind of arc for her character. You know, knowing that this isn't really her movie, I would love to see that maybe explored even more. And especially because, you know, uh, the, the, the post credit stinger we get, and we know that the Ten Rings under her command is coming back. Mm-hmm. That is something that's really interesting to me. You know, like the Ten Rings under Wenwu is, is very, like, patriarchal, right? And mm-hmm. I think Menger Zhang did a really, really good job. You would never be able to tell that this is her first feature role, right? She's so good mm-hmm. in this physical role i think she's really really good in the fight scenes and she has this tenaciousness to her that i really really like and you know like all secondary characters in marvel movies i think the movie kind of loses the thread on her and and aquafina to a certain extent as well i think yeah uh by the third act they don't really know what to do with them but it's not as bad as some of the other marvel movies i think i think they both kind of find their place they're pushed aside a little bit but they both get their moments to shine. And I do think the Xiaoling character gets a little bit more than the Aquafina at the end. Like, I think they do their best to, like, basically have Aquafina, like, part of that final fight. But right, they try to hit involve the Xiaoling character a little bit more than the, the Katie character. So, yeah. So, I was just saying, you know, she does get to do her little Bard the Bowman thing, right? Uh, shooting the arrow and killing the dragon. But... Yeah, I mean, her character is sort of a, I don't know, a Jane Foster, kind of. A little funnier than Jane Foster, a I little, think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But in that mode of, I don't know, she's half sidekick, half question mark love interest, half partner or something? I don't really know. I did like that they kept it platonic. Mm-hmm. They're just buddies. I mean, I think there's like an inkling of will they, won't they with, you know, Katie's family. But sure, yeah. other than that. They kept it platonic, which I really, really liked. And sometimes Aquafina can be really grating, but I actually liked her in this. She was a little subdued. Yeah. I think her humor, the the beats really landed. Some of the, the jokes are really funny. I thought the part where she bet against Shang-Chi in the ring was really fucking funny. And he's like, you bet against me? And she's like counting her <laughs> cash. I thought that was really funny. She's got a mad wad of cash, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. What else was funny? Where she makes fun of him for like changing his name from Shang to Sean. Sean, yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, the comedic beats work in the first half of the movie pretty well. I'd say like the comedy kind of drops off near the second half. 
you know, there is, like, isn't as much comedy in the second half. So I think, yeah, it works really well um, in the first half with her. There is a central love story to the movie. So I guess it's okay. Yeah. That, I guess it's okay that that relationship is platonic because that's not the, the love story that this movie was about, right? Yeah. And it does ride this line of are they or aren't they? But at the end, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And maybe that's something they'll explore in the future, which is totally fine. You know, I think there are hints there that it could lead to there, but. Honestly, yeah, you're right. I think that the, the focus on like the Wenwu and the, and the mother relationship is more important. What did you guys think of the um, valet parking job? I thought that was funny. I mean, they ruined it in the trailer. Like a lot of the things I think they ruined in the trailer. I think the bus fight features way too heavily in the marketing materials for this movie. I thought the bus fight was incredible. Yes. It was good. Yeah, it was fun. It was really, really good. I think a lot of the practical fighting and the stunt coordination really goes out to Brad Allen, because yes, unfortunately, he passed away during production, but he was part of the Jackie Chan stunt team. There's some little Jackie Chan shout outs. Yeah. That, uh, oh, that, yeah. That jacket. Taking off the jacket, putting it back on. The elbow strike was really fucking cool when he's like putting on the jacket. I, I really, really like that. And Simu Liu can fight. He's like a stunt guy. Well, he's got a stunt background, I was going to say, yeah. right? Yeah, he's he's got a big stunt background. So. so, like, a lot of the choppy editing you see in, like, a lot of these superhero movies, it's not present here. Bill Pope likes to shoot things wide. The takes are longer. The action is great in this movie. Definitely cut above the normal Marvel movie, for sure. Yeah, the scaffolding fight. That was That's the best fight too. in the movie. That's the best fight. I'm more partial to the bus, yeah. Really? No. I really like that scaffolding fight. I think that one's really No, but that fun. one's really great, too. I think all the practical fight and all the practical mm-hmm. action in this movie is just so good. And, like, it's kind of weird, right? Because I think for the longest time, we haven't seen, like, an Asian-led, like, kung fu action movie like this. Like, an American-made one, right? Because after, like, the whole, like, Jackie Chan, like, Jet Li saga, like, I think people wanted to stray away from that, right? Like, even audiences, I don't think really wanted that anymore. You know, especially, like, that's not the type of representation that I would want to see from Asian characters, right? Like, I don't want it to all just be, like, kung fu martial arts movies. But there is something really cool about this movie. And, like, I feel a sense of pride, like, owning that back now, like, after, you know, like, 15, 20 years or whatever since the last great Jackie Chan movie, like American-made Jackie mm-hmm. Chan movie. I, I think maybe we'll start to see a little bit of a resurgence. And I, I don't think I mind that just because I think that our representation is getting pushed forward in like American-made movies. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fight scenes, I think Bill Pope does excellent work with the the scene with Wen Wu and young Shang-Chi, right? Oh, yeah. Where they go get revenge for his mother, which was fucking incredible. It really reminded me of, like, Mike Giolakis from It Follows, where it's, like, the spinning camera. Mm-hmm. It, like, spins on Shang-Chi, and he's just watching his dad just, like, destroy this restaurant full of gangsters or whatever. And you're seeing the action, like, in the mirror, right? You see it in the mirror, Yeah, right? that's yeah. a great shot. Yeah, and, and like, it spins around, and Wenwu's, like, destroying dudes with the Ten Rings. And yeah. I was really worried that the Ten Rings would look bad because i think the trailers made it look not so great but they're kinetic they have weight to them i thought the 10 rings were fucking cool as hell actually so i still don't love them but they do come from like uh i guess a martial arts sort of idea and inspiration so that i mean that's kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah but i totally agree with you about that scene uh martial arts wise i wish we had more of michelle Yeo. me too I she's agree. very much like 
a fleeting kind of slight presence in this movie, unfortunately. Really wish we'd had more of her. Yeah, like selfishly on like the Chinese cinema side, like I wanted a scene between them, like a real like scene between them. Maybe they even get to fight. Between her and Tony Long, you mean? I would have loved to have seen a scene with them like interacting more and like fighting and like I, I think that would have been like a, a big highlight for me too. But I think I side with Jeff Moore on the whole Ten Ring side. I think I really like them. I, I think that they used them in clever ways that um, more than I was expecting. The idea of him putting it on like one fist, right? And trying to like break down that gate was like mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, Simu using them as like stepping ladders. I think at one point they kind of attach to his shin when he does the kick, which was really cool. Like I think that they use it in clever ways that I was more impressed than I was expecting with from what we just saw from the trailers at least. Yeah, he uses them as like little midair stepping stones, right? I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Uh, kind of reminded me of Doctor Strange, like the oh yeah, when he steps on the, the, the portals, the, right? The vaulting boots of Valtor yeah, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can't, wow. I can't believe I fucking remember that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you do a nerd podcast. You're a giant fucking nerd. <laughs> so we all like this, right? Where does it rate for you? You don't have to give like a number or whatever, but like, what? There's 25 of these films now. Like, where, is this top half? Top like four or five? It's funny to me because. When I was on that other pod, they asked me, and I was like, oh, probably right outside the top 10. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I can count I agree 10 that are better than this. There aren't 10 better than this, I don't think. There's yeah. a lot of these movies that are just um, mediocre. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be in the top ten, right? Off to like the top of my head, like the ones I still think are probably better in my opinion are like I still like Civil War more. I think I still like Winter Soldier more. I still like Black Panther more. I think ah uh, that one's yeah no I think I still like Black Panther more and I I love Infinity War so that's like that's always kind of up there for me. Guardians. Guardians is also up there. So, yeah, like, it's definitely, I think, in the top 10 somewhere. It's definitely in the top 10. Guardians, I don't know yet exactly where it falls. Both Spider-Men, maybe? Um, yeah. Are both Spider-Men better than this? Not in my opinion. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think Homecoming is better than this. Although, I really do like Far From Home also. Far From Home's pretty good. Yeah. It's hard. I think there's, like, six or seven of them that are just, like, all Def- in that, that same range. Yeah probably equal to this i think like iron man 3 is in like my top five maybe i fucking wow yeah iron man 3 is great yeah that's a wild take dude that's a wild take i guess it is i don't know it's a wild take all right first of all there's a tie-in from iron man 3 into this yes we haven't talked about that yet with trevor slattery and fucking people hate trevor slattery but i think it's one of the best twists that marvel has ever done it's very shane black Mm -hmm. which i really really liked I really liked seeing him in the, pop up in this. And I love seeing Trevor Slattery. I do think he overstays his welcome a little bit in this movie. Agreed. Oh, he doesn't bug me. a little too much of a, He doesn't bug you? All right. He, uh, didn't bug, he didn't bug me. I'm on Jeff's wavelength this time around. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I think there was a little bit too much Trevor Slattery, but I, I like the callback. I like bringing him back. I thought uh, it was a nice little surprise. I was ready for it because, I mean, it, it's not a coincidence that Marvel or Disney put all Hail the King Right. On on Disney Plus, like a week the before one this movie dropped. Yeah. The one shot, yeah, that was before only attached to Blu-rays, right? And like they put that on Disney Plus and I think it pays off, you know, like the ending of that little short. So it was a nice surprise um to see him come back and I, I thought it was funny 
some parts, but I think by the end, when you see him like in the actual fight, I was like, really? He gets his, I guess, Ewok moment, right? Where (laughs) the little Morris is coming to shove him and and seeing if he's dead or not, and he's just playing possum. I think Morris is cute and all. I think there's a little bit too much of him, too. I think the beginning is the funniest. Where it's like, where the fuck is his face? Yeah, where is that? What is that? But speaking of like the mythological creatures, like there's a lot of CGI in this, and I think in in the end, and I really didn't think it was that well done. But part of the thing that saves it for me is that there is a lot of cultural specificity there. I think someone on Twitter they broke down like all the mythological creatures in that final act. There were Pokemon, right? <laughs> yes, you see a Ninetales. Okay, <laughs> at least the fox, right? The fox definitely is a Pokemon, right? I mean, even the Pokemon, I think, is based off like, yeah, it's based on, like lore. Like, a, a right, Ninetales right. is actually an actual myth- oh, mythological right, right, creature, right, so it's like... <laughs> the lions, right? That Typically, the, yeah, those are like, like the, the statues, right? You see The, the guardian lions. Um, yeah. yeah. So someone... I, I don't know who it is. I'm sorry. I, I can't think of the... The person who did it, but they they listed all the creatures, and I thought that was that was a nice touch. They did the research, they put in the work, they put in the effort. Even though it didn't look that great in the end, it, it's fine. The emotional beats landed. I didn't mind it that much. The funny thing is, I feel like this isn't Simu's movie, and he's maybe not I do agree. even. He's maybe not even like second tier in my mind. Like I, Wait, lo- I mean, of course, number one, it's Tony Lung, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Even like I love the mother. I loved his sister. Like everyone is great in this movie. Where it, I don't know. I, I feel like at, at different parts in the movie, they all like kind of steal the movie from him when it's supposed to be kind of like Shang Chi's movie, right? I do agree. I think Black Panther has that same problem. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to Chadwick Boseman getting overshadowed by other characters in his own movie. And I think he's better served in Civil War than his own movie. This movie, like, the villain overshadows him, right? Like, Killmonger is yeah. way yeah. more interesting than, yeah. than T'Challa in his own movie. And then here Absolutely. is Tony Leung's Wenwu, who's more interesting than Simu Liu's uh, Shang-Chi. But he's charming. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do in the future. But I totally agree. I think he... He is a little overshadowed. Speaking of someone else who got overshadowed, what happened with Death Dealer? He got taken oh out my like gosh. a chunk. <laughs> He's got that Boba Fett effect, right? He's like this character that looks fucking cool, doesn't say anything, but then it's like he's not really a character at all <laughs> in this movie. I think the movie like wants us to feel something right about him and like how he like trained Shang-Chi's character really hard and all that doesn't really work for me because I just don't think they dedicate enough to this idea of like this this hard trainer, his dad's right hand man or whatever. I don't even know how you knew that guy's name. <laughs> well, it's because he's from yeah, like yeah. If you don't know the comics, you don't know his name, right? Yeah, because, you don't like, know his name. They don't even say his name at all once. The thing is that the way he dies is really kind of anticlimactic because he gets yeah. killed by like the soul sucking demon. But the thing is, like, I think it would have been better if, like you said, like. They didn't really build out his relationship with Shang-Chi, but if they gave him, like, a more climactic fight at the end where, you know, Shang-Chi gets, like, his revenge on him for all, like, the abuse that he put him through, I think that would have been a better arc for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's fine. fine. Not everybody needs a fucking arc. I don't know. The guy he needs revenge on for the abuse is his dad. He's his abusive, dad, right? psychopath, yeah, exactly. like, for crime sure, lord sure. dad, right? So, like, you don't want to take the focus away from that either. It would have been nice if they had just done a like, end of this movie is a 
kung fu fight between Tony Long and Simu Liu, right? Like, yeah, like, and that's the final thing in the movie, right? It's all very mixed up with the rest of this big fight, which I guess you want to include the rest of your cast and have them all be. But it, it would have been, I think, nice if they made it a little bit lower stakes. I mean, I do think that this movie suffers a little bit from just a little too many characters, right? I mean, you have the, like the three. We have Razor Fist and uh, Death Dealer. Oh, you whatever. Have Those guys Michelle, are Michelle that doesn't character. Count. Like, I think they could have been an amalgamation. Like, you could have probably, like, just had them, like, like why is there Razor Fist and Death Dealer in, in my mind? I don't know. Mm. That's true. But I, I did yeah. like that they joined forces in the end. Yeah. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting that. I thought that was kind of cool. They're like, oh, shit, these soul-sucking demons fucking suck. We got to team up and kill them, you know? No, I did like that. There was a, there was a little comedic moment right where he he himself tries to like kill one of those creatures and he can't so he's like all right let's team up right i thought that was pretty funny on razor fist's part yeah i like that if i remember correctly i don't think his name is ever said in the movie it's only ever splashed all over his car right like no one ever (laughs) calls him razor fist but it's like razor fist on that really nice car so people are like going apeshit over these post-credit scenes when i saw them i was like all right did i miss one everyone's like these are going to blow your fucking mind hole. You're never going to recover from this. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, cool, I guess. All right, but who said that? Is that like a BuzzFeed thing? Where did you get this? No, it was like a, <laughs> there's like opening night, like so many people on Twitter was like, these end credit scenes are like incredible or whatever. And then I was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? This I, is no I fucking must have Thanos, man. <laughs> yeah, hard to disagree. Yeah, so the two end credit scenes is, you know, with Menger Zhang's, Shaoling, she gets control of the Ten Rings. So that's the post credit scene, right? That's the post. Yeah, that's the post credits. So I thought that was a li- that was a little like surface level girl power again, just like the end game thing. But but it, it does button up her arc nicely. I didn't mind it too much. And then the other one is the one real tie in to Marvel continuity where mm-hmm. he meets with hologram Bruce Banner and uh, Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. And Wong is there too and they're talking about the origins of the ten rings they don't know where they come from and like when he put them on it sent like a signal to who knows where and that's pretty much it so i was like okay kind of cool teasing the next thing uh nothing to write home about yeah i did think it was interesting that it's not smart hulk yeah it's bruce banner mm. uh, the, in the mid credits it's bruce banner mark ruffalo and his arm is still fucked up yeah his arm is still fucked up it's it's interesting cuz it it almost seems like they wanted to be like Hey, welcome to the Avengers without saying, like, they didn't actually say the words like, welcome to the Avengers, but like, that's what it just seemed like. Like, hey, welcome, but maybe we don't even know if we're having Avengers anymore. So, like, let's not call you an Avenger yet. But yeah, I I did like that old generation bringing in this new generation. Like, I have no speculation on why these rings are a beacon, like what they're calling out to or whatever. Like, I I don't really care about that right now. Like, like I said, it's not Thanos, right? If we saw, like, Kang the Conqueror or something, like, it's calling out to Kang the Conqueror, maybe I would be like, oh, shit, like, our first look of Kang or whatever. Fing but fang boom. <laughs> or fing, yeah, whatever. But, like, you know, it's just all exposition, right? Not really showing us anything really spectacular, just saying, like, no. oh. I wouldn't say it's lackluster, but it, it didn't, like, blow me away like some other uh, end credit scenes. Mm-hmm. I actually did like the post-credit scene a little bit more. I like that it was a mirror of, like, the scene that we saw, like, at the very beginning of the movie, right? When Wenwu's character, like, storms that castle and then he, like, sits at the throne and like, he sees all the people, like, training. And, that you know, mm-hmm. like, there's that they're, – they're all male. But then, like, you know, at the end we see that, you know, she's 
changed the organization to be like you know half female, half male, and like. And I like to see like all the graffiti up, like you know her style is there because you, you saw that graffiti in her Fight Club in the in the beginning. Yeah. So I like yeah. I like all that mirroring. Um, I, I I actually enjoyed that post credit more than I think the the one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither, neither of those really did a ton for me. I'll just agree with you guys on that. Simply, not really a ton there. Uh, I did want to bring up the use of Hua Yuan, the Master Guangbo, uh, the one that kind of teaches Aquafina's the archery. Yeah, archery in, in the movie. I mean, he's a, a big figure in like Chinese cinema. Early in the movie, we see a poster of uh, Kung Fu Hustle in um, Shang's apartment. Like he was like an actor in that movie. So oh, okay. I think that I think that was a really cool tie-in, a really cool connection. Um, yeah, like if people don't know who he is, I mean, he's not as big as Tony Leung, but he's still a pretty big deal in Chinese cinema. He doesn't really get too much to do in this movie but <laughs> he doesn't but it's just kind of cool to see him in there yeah it's cool to see him and uh i guess you can teach aquafina archery proficiency in like two seconds <laughs> <laughs> derek do you think like there's not gonna be another avengers or something i didn't really fully follow that point i'm sorry i'm just circling back to that okay all the announcements that they've they said they haven't even said they're gonna make another avengers movie i think they're like going around the idea if there is going to even be a next Avengers. Because, you know, we've talked about this already. Like, they're forming different teams that are not the Avengers, right? They're forming, like, the Young Avengers. They're forming the the Thunderbolts. They're forming, uh, you know, we know that the X-Men are coming. The Fantastic Four, like, are there even going to be Avengers anymore? I, I, I hmm. do kind of question that. Interesting. That's, that's a very interesting idea. Maybe that's where the way they're going. That seems kind of smart, actually. Because then you don't run into this idea of, like... Oh, these like new generation and like, or these new people are not the real Avengers or whatever. It's like, all right, Avengers is a thing we did. We're done with that now. No one's trying to replace Tony Stark or whatever. People don't have to get home nerd angry for no reason. Like, we're just doing these other things. There's Stark Avengers and Young Avengers and I don't know, Space Avengers or whatever. That's, that's actually, I, I really like that idea. I actually kind of now I kind of hope that's what they do. <laughs> the last thing I probably want to bring up also is, uh, just, the, the director of this movie. After this movie, I went and rewatched his very first movie, uh, Short Term 12. Yeah, great movie. And I just forgot like how much I love that movie. It was like one of my favorite movies of that year. I think it was like 2013. And like I could definitely see that why they had him come in and do this movie. Like this movie, like I've said early on, is, is really just like a family drama, right? Like this dynamic between like a father, a son, and, and, and a daughter. And like, you know, Short Term 12 is really this this movie about like a dysfunctional, you know, halfway house family, right? And then even his second movie, Glass House, is, it's a dysfunctional father-daughter drama. So like, I could definitely see where you kind of draw that line between his early career and then this kind of big action Marvel set piece, which... I'll just say that they do a better job of translating Dustin Daniel Cretton's voice into this than they did with Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck with Captain Marvel, because they're mm-hmm. both like indie directors, right? And I think Bowden and Fleck's voice got totally lost in mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, which I I liked fine. It wasn't that great. But here you get like the the family dynamics and you get like the more intimate moments that I'm sure Dustin Daniel Cretton and and the screenwriter Dave Callahan had something to do with, and it shows it. It, it gives this movie its voice, which I, I really, really like. And it's it's one of the most distinct, I think, of of all of the MCU. They do more with him than than some of the other indie directors that they've assimilated into the Marvel Empire. Yeah, 
we'll we'll see how Chloe Zhao does with uh, Eternals. But I mean, it has me a little bit more excited now. Yeah, uh, about, yeah, uh, yeah, Eternals actually. If this translated well, I'm I'm really hoping that it translates for Chloe Zhao too. Yeah, two back to back Marvel movies directed by Asians, right? Yeah, I'm excited. I was pleasantly surprised by this. I was getting a little fatigue. I was with Marvel fatigue this year. You know, like all the Disney Plus shows came out this year. Black Widow, What If, now Spider-Man's coming in December, and then Eternals before that, and then it's just Overload. But I was pleasantly surprised by this. Overload, but there were no MCU movies in all of 2020. Right. It was actually two years. Like, Spider-Man Far From Home was July of 2019, and Black Widow was July of 2021. So actually two years without any, Mm -hmm. like, MCU movies. I know there's all the other stuff, all the shows and whatnot you mentioned. But actually, the movie thing is actually kind of coming back from a long hiatus. Yeah. And I think part of what's refreshing about this is also that it's like a critique sometimes of Marvel movies that, you know, there's too many origins. But I I did find this kind of like refreshing that it is an origin in the sense also that this is like something new, right? We're moving into a different phase with this kind of movie, right? Kind of starting this new era of of Marvel. And this is kind of like that starting point when, at least for the movies. For me, that was pretty exciting too. Yeah, I also liked how this was an origin story without actually being an origin because Shang-Chi is already Shang-Chi by the time this movie starts, right? He knows like the martial arts and like he, he's had his training. Uh, the only real thing that he's lacking is like the Ten Rings, right? And And closure with his father, which this whole movie's about. So they didn't really have to waste time with, like, uh, setting up too much backstory. Yes, his superpowers, emotional maturity. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, speaking of emotional maturity, I, I think it was great that they had him actually go through with the mission to kill yes. his mother's killer, right? I thought that was really interesting. Like, he actually admitted that he went through with it. I, I feel like Marvel typically pulls its punches when it comes to those like, oh, I couldn't do it, and like, I ran away in shame or whatever. He's actually feeling guilt from, like, committing murder, you know? And I, I think this movie has a darker edge to it, and it is like a tragedy, right? There's heartbreak, and there's a lot of emotional tension in this, which doesn't isn't really sold through the trailers. I think this is darker than you would expect from, from the marketing material. Like, I think in summary, um, if you're Asian, go see this, otherwise it's a pass. <laughs> If you're not, still go see it. I think it's a fun time. No, no, Asians only. No, I'm kidding. Asians <laughs> only. <laughs> Obviously, we all liked it. Go see the movie. And also, my recommendation also is that I, I believe this is Tony Lung's first American-made movie, like which is kind of crazy to me. That is crazy to me. And you know, he is like a Hong Kong cinema like legend. And if you haven't seen any of his movies, like, and this is not the first movie we've talked about, right? We've talked about Infernal Affairs. Yes, yes. So, yeah, if you haven't seen any of his movies, please go check them out. He has so many great movies, like, you know, all the Wong Kar Wai stuff he's done and Hong Kong action that he's done. Like, definitely check out all of it and any of it. Um, Hard boiled. Incredible get for Marvel to get Tony Leung for for this. I kind of wish they left an opening for him to come back. I wish he didn't die. I know. I wish he didn't die so often. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. It's it's fine. They they got to pass the baton to, to Shang-Chi, I guess. Yeah. I wanted to say that I had a better uh, experience in the theater in this than uh, the Suicide Squad. Everyone was like fucking dead fish in the Suicide Squad. No one laughed at the jokes. 
No one showed up to action. So maybe Suicide Squad was just bad. Like, I know we liked it, but like, maybe it's just bad. It didn't make any money. Nobody liked it in your, in your theaters. Maybe Suicide Squad sucks. I don't know. I liked Suicide Squad better than this. Maybe just by a smidge, I think. I think it comes together much better than this movie. But I had a better time watching this, I think. Yeah, this is definitely the best theater experience I've had since going back to to movies. Like, my, yeah. my audience was much bigger than my typical audience that I've, I think I've seen. And, like, yeah, definitely, like, it was great to just be in a theater and everyone was laughing and cheering. Yeah. Well, not cheering, but, like, just, like, laughing and, like, being there in that moment. Yeah, it was great. Honestly, I had a great a great time. I mean, I haven't had that experience in, like, two years, right? Yeah. And, and like, the Suicide Squad, there were only eight people in that screening Oof. with me. So, maybe that's why. Yeah, I think that, that contributes. Those seven other people are so boring. No, <laughs> they're, they're critics, too. <laughs> they're people I know. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? I was like the only one laughing. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I stupid or something? List them out. List out their names right now. No. <laughs> Drag them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Shang-Chi was packed. It was like hundreds of people. It made me a little nervous because of yeah, COVID. It, me too. Me but, too. So they combined the press and the early fan screening to get like a packed house. And I, I really did like that. Everyone was having a great time with this movie. Yeah, definitely. I agree. If that is not enough praise... I don't know what it is, but um, uh, yeah, definitely go check out the movie. I know it's not on Disney Plus. I know it's there's no like day and date strategy here. Like you have to go in a theater, and like if it's not safe, of course don't go. But if you can, I mean, I definitely recommend checking out this movie. Yeah. But if that is all, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Um, you can find me in the mystical village of Taolo or whatever it's called. I don't even remember <laughs> the name of that village. What about you? It is Derek? Taolo. There nice. you go. Nailed nice it. nice pronunciation too, man. What can I say? Uh, you can find me at the world's okayest photos and Screen Asians Guild at Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions about our episode on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail and we read it out on the pod sometimes. So feel free to do that and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.